0: You're listening to Code Chefs, the podcast for hungry developers. Buckle down and ready up. We're serving JavaScript, web design, soft skills, back-end development, and more. Now, here are your hosts, Vincent Tang and Herman Gamboa. Order up! Welcome to Code Chefs, the podcast for hungry web developers. I'm your co-host today, Vincent, and with me is...
1: Herman Gamboa. Hi, guys
0: so for today's episode we're doing a topic called SEO 101 for software developers and we actually have a special guest today his name is Roy Josfolk could you tell us a little bit about yourself
2: Roy hey guys first and foremost I appreciate you guys having me on I'm always fun to, to jump on a podcast and talk SEO so my name's Roy Josfolk my original background was in web development and design um, but I eventually sort of fell in love with digital marketing and kind of cross that over with SEO. So now I do a lot of SEO consulting and SEO coaching and mostly just focus on driving organic reach via search engines.
0: Mm. So so what is what exactly is SEO?
2: Yeah, so most people, it's funny, they don't even know what SEO means. They just know of it. So it's all about, it's really search engine optimization. And what it comes down to is there's obviously millions of pages on the internet so that has to be organized in some way by Google and other search engines. So a way they do, it, do that is based on the optimizations and content that you create on your page. So SEO is all about optimizations and optimizing it for these algorithms so you can be placed somewhere within the uh, search engine. And the people that are looking for this, it's called organic traffic. That's what that's what they call it. And most people that will find you, they have a question, they, they're they looking for a product idea or they're, they're, they're getting reviews. Um, maybe they're looking for a service. Maybe they need a, a developer for a project or, or looking up an agency. So it's all about sort of answering questions and driving people to your website with the answers. And then if you have some way to kind of turn that into monetization, then you can. That makes
0: a lot of sense. Yeah. I mean, if you can basically attract users that are looking for the content that you're producing and, and that content could also be you know many things it could be information to, to a restaurant or information mm-hmm. to a blog or information to an article right so it, could, it has mm-hmm. many different applications and like you're saying yep. it's just it's just Google is trying to index these pages to get a better understanding of how mm-hmm. to broadcast those topics of information to people that are relevant.
2: They make their money by making sure when you type in something in Google, you get exactly what you want as quickly as possible. So that's their entire business model when it comes to the search engine. So everything is about making sure that they're covering their own tail and providing Because pe- imagine if you went into Google and every time you looked up, you just never found what you were looking for. Would you use it? You wouldn't. It
0: no, wouldn't no. It wouldn't be
2: useful. So that's their entire thing. And I think a lot of people lose sight of that. They don't realize it because it's just like second nature to go to Google for everything. And they don't they don't understand the, the the business model and how they're supposed to leverage that. Right. That makes a lot of sense. So I was gonna ask you guys, like, you know, because you guys don't do SEO and I know you guys hear me talk about it all the time, but what are maybe some misconceptions and maybe you deal with like the marketing department or something in some cases or whatever, what are your some of your misconceptions or things you know about SEO or don't know, or questions like what comes off the top of your head when someone uh, mentions SEO?
0: Oh, do you want to start off, German, or should I start off?
1: I can go first. I mean, for SEO, it's like I've heard it um, multiple times, especially growing up. Actually, at some point in my life, I get I had someone tell me, like, hey, I'll pay you like if you go ahead and like contact webmasters and let them tell them to like link link mm-hmm. to our sites or something like that. I was young, I don't remember exactly what that was. I don't even know if that's like a real thing anymore. Yeah. But um as far as SEO, I just know it's like maybe you're it's just about trying to get like eyeballs on your content and mm-hmm. There's different techniques. I'm not always 100% sure which ones, what they are.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: As far as like things I've worked with SEO, it's just basically marketing department telling me, hey, put this tag on this page and that's about it.
0: (laughs) Yeah. What about you, Vince? So, I mean, to my extent, I'm kind of in the same boat as German, except uh, I like I've worked in marketing departments and like, hey, throw this tag in here and then look at it at Google Analytics and hopefully it pops up the results that we want. And it's just like throwing things at like a, a like a, a like dartboard where you don't know where it's going. <laughs> to Exactly. That, that's been my experience with it. I've also had to, like I've done a little bit of like blog writing on the side and I'll like kind of look at my analytics every now and then to see like what's performing well, what's not. And a lot of times, like, hmm, like, some things perform really well and some things don't. And like, some things people really like yeah. looking up and some things people don't really care about. So that's kind of like, from my perspective, since I kind of do more technical writing on the side, it's more relevant for me to understand SEO mm-hmm. in the context of what, how can I get people organically searching my content? For web development related topics and how can I build a following to then produce content that people can follow and enjoy and potentially make a career out of just literally making content. For instance, I don't know, just just like a thought in the air. Yeah.
2: Well, that's the dream, right?
0: I'm not particularly good at, <laughs> I'm not particularly good at SEO because I don't know anything about it. I just know it's like, hey, there's some content on the page and hopefully it gets indexed and searched. <laughs> so yeah. That, that's, that's oh, me. that's
2: like the thing. So. What I try to p- help people understand is that SEO is actually extremely easy, right? The, the, the actual tasks that you have to do are nev- the, only, the hardest part maybe of SEO is like you have to do like speed improvements on the website, right? Because that could get super technical, has to do with a lot more web development than, than content creation. But beyond that, when it comes to the other stuff, it's actually super simple, but you need to know the steps and you need to understand what your aim is. Right. So if you know your aim and you understand every single step that you have to cover, then it's easy and it's predictable. It's actually predictable. It's interesting that you guys said the dartboard thing because what I've perfected is prediction. So a lot of what I do is make predictions of results. And I would say a good amount of the time we're right in that area. Like that's where we can get to. So I've got an eye for understanding what we can do and what we can't do. And I'm going to go over actually today a little bit more into that. So my goal today is kind of really to answer every question you guys just just asked is what the heck is it and how can I truly leverage it? Because I know it's out there and maybe by accident I've had some success or whatever, but I don't know exactly what I did right in order to in order to accomplish it. So you guys kind of went over it a little bit, but there's there's three like main types that I would say of SEO. And a lot of this is subjective because it's my opinion. I feel that, you know, I, you know, there may be four in some other people's minds or whatever, but for me, there's three. And there's on-page stuff. So that's the content that you guys are talking about creating. That's creating a tutorial on how to do something, right? Then you have the off-page stuff which is kind of what like German was talking about with backlinking which is what you reference where you're trying to get someone to link to you. There's guest posting, there's just PR in general, social media is somewhat of a off-page SEO signal in some cases. And then Google My Business, which is one that everybody always forgets about, Google My Business is a great off-page SEO tool, right, to optimize which is when you search and there's like that little, you know, if you look up any company like DigitalOcean or something like that, you'll notice on the right side of the screen, it'll have like all their business information, right? So that's Google My Business, right? Then you have the technical, which is probably what you guys are most familiar with, at least when it comes to on the job. So this is page speed stuff, HTML based tasks, so putting tags on the page and all these different things, handling JS and CSS assets, so concatenation and optimizing that type of stuff. Um, that's 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 an SEO technique as well, even though it's a, a developer technique. It's all about performance, right? And then even sometimes server optimization. So it can get that deep. Even you know if if you know I have you know clients that they have large volume to their website, so it creates a situation where there's there's issues with the server, right? It's it's not able to perform up to up to speed and that has an effect on where you rank right so all of those those are the the main three things and it kind of touches on all the things that you guys just talked about so that's that's what i would consider seo as a whole right so writing for seo is specifically what i'm going to get into right now because there's one-off seo things we can do like page speed fixes or something like that but then there's actually this creation of content where, okay, you have your homepage, but then you have a blog or articles maybe on how to use. It. So even if you're a SaaS company, you have an article on how to do something within your own app, right? And if you don't you know, write this in the correct way, you stand a chance of maybe not even ranking for your own search because maybe some other software engineer or whatever they wrote a blog about it, right? And theirs shows up first, but yours doesn't. And it's it's actually your help desk, but, you know, it's not ranking first, right? So that's where it can even come into play too. A lot of people don't think about these little situations when it comes to software or or developer roles where, oh, we create this brand or this company, and we're just going to write all these how-tos, but they're not ranking. So people can't even find them barely unless they're really specific about their search, Right. So it can be helpful with that, with being found. Plus, if your aim is to help people. So a lot of times in our community, a lot of people aren't focused on monetizing their site. They just truly want to help someone, right? They just really love helping people. Well, if you really care about helping people, then you should care about writing for SEO, right? Also, it comes down to personal and company branding, kind of what we just said. Not only just sort of a situation where someone has a question, But like I just talked about with the digital ocean scenario where the the branding is up on the right-hand side, people tend to equate that with a high-quality brand because they see that there. For some reason, they're like, oh, these guys have that there, but I've seen companies that don't. So I will will equate that with something that means it, it must be successful or whatever the interpretation is of what that looks. So if you're worried about any one of those things, you should care deeply about writing content for SEO. Because that's the only way that you're going to make that happen without throwing the dart at the dartboard and just hoping that you get a bullseye. We want to predict, we want to be able to know almost at 100% that what we're writing is going to have an impact on the overall business that we have, right? Does that make sense to you guys? That makes sense.
1: It makes complete sense. And uh, what I was thinking is um, earlier today, I was reading this article, an article, that I mentioned like almost all of con- like all good content is really just good writing and just kind of like mm-hmm. brings it back to writing for SEO. Like the whole thing you mentioned about writing for SEO, mm-hmm. which I don't exactly know how you write for SEO. though.
2: And it's, yeah, it's different than what you learned in school. And I'm not saying in school they teach SEO, but they teach writing, right? You've written essays, you've written, you've done all these things. And the writing style is there's similarities and there's a lot of differences. And I'm going to get into those. And that's, that's what people are going to start to find. Like when someone asks me to look at their site, the, the immediate things I look at are the formatting of, of the writing and how they're writing and how they're delivering it. And that's usually what the problem is. It's usually not the content itself. It's usually not the actual the value of the content it's for it's some other thing it's formatting and really what it comes down to is you're trying to tell a bot right we all know about web crawlers there's a google bot this mysterious google bot bing bot and all these other things that scrape your page so this bot really doesn't have much context on human life in general it's pretty much clean slate when it's running onto your page so it's trying to read the text and alt text and tags and all these things to try to figure out what is this page about and how does it fit into the bigger piece of the internet? So when you're writing, it's not necessarily have to, that you have to dumb anything down, but there's semantic signals. So HTML and, and other signals that you can send that have priority within the algorithm that help dictate to this bot what this is about right? So that's how your writing is a little bit different. It's the formatting. It's, and, and, and a person who's not a web developer, it's actually just, say I'm a great writer, but I never worked on a website. They know just as much as you know about writing for SEO because you only know technical pieces, right? And they only know the writing part. It's got to be connected. So a lot of times when I'm teaching people how to write, there's a lot of foreign information that they're receiving because they don't know any coding right? And CMSs are a big part of that because everything's so easy to just say heading one, heading two, you know, add an image. They're not worried about the code level stuff. And that's what the only thing that the Google bot sees is that. So it's a little bit of a disconnect. Most people don't know about it. So the biggest thing about writing for SEO, number one is the research. So the biggest problem you'll fall into is, Hey, I want to solve some problem for people, right? But in your mind, you think this is very popular, maybe because it's popular within your circle of friends or whatever, or your colleagues or whatever. So -hmm. the biggest part about it is your research. So researching for SEO is, I would say, 80% or 70% of what you need to do. You need to understand on some level, how popular is this content? How many people do actually want to get helped by this content? Now, in the development world, you have this situation where you have introductory information, right? Like how do you do a page layout? But then you have really, really complex stuff that's only the highest level of developers really ever going to look for. So it is a smaller audience, but that doesn't necessarily mean that you shouldn't write for it, right? It just really depends on what you're trying to accomplish and, and all those different things. But essentially you're looking for popular content. You're looking for things that are popular, you know, questions that people have over and over again. So if your goal is to get someone to an advanced level or deal with it, get, you know, be relied upon for advanced information, you probably want to have a good amount of basic information too, because that's where your volume is, right? That's where the volume of the searches are going to be. How do I use bootstrap, right? Like that's probably a million people are probably searching that as opposed to, you know, some other higher level technology. I'm not even going to try to uh, throw some randomly throw something out there. So, <laughs> At the end of the day, there's different levels, but the research is what's important. There's free tools, there's free strategies. So it's things like Keyword Planner, things like Google Search Console. And I'm going to tell you guys a little bit about it. So everybody listening, I can actually give you a tip right now that could change everything for your website. So I'll get into that in a second. But there's things like that. You can use Google itself. If you type into Google, what do you see in those search results? Suggestions, what other people are asking, suggested searches. It tries to guess your search. Well, all that information is Google, things Google knows people are searching within your topic. So there's things in plain sight that can tell you everything you need to know about how popular something is or what verbiage you should use. Examples are Reddit. So you can go on Reddit. And if there's a forum that one question gets asked all the time or there's hundreds of people on a, on a thread because of it, well, you might want to cover that because it looks like it's pretty popular. Uh, Core is another one. And there's another one called Answer the Public, which is dedicated to questions about the internet. So you could type in any topic. You type in JavaScript, and it will tell you every question that people are asking within the search engines about that topic. You have paid tools that you can use, like SEMrush, Ahrefs, and you may not know what these are, but these are tools that sort of they scrape Google's data. And then what they do is try to present it to you in a way in which you can utilize it. They'll do competitor research, which is really hard to do for free. There's ways to do it, but not as in depth as a paid tool can can do it. So you have paid tools and strategies for doing that. And then I have something that I've created that that I teach my students and clients is the content improvement checklist, which goes through all the things that you'd want to look at for a topic to decide not only if it's worth doing, but if I write about this topic, what should I include in order to make sure I'm covering every single search that someone would have? Right? Does that make sense to you guys? That makes sense. So, do you want to know the one trick that you can use right now? Or should I? Should, th- that you what's, can what's, use right now to
0: improve. What's the one secret that that you can use to, to grow your audience right make now? Everything. Great? If
2: you have a website already, so this is for people who already have a website. You've probably had it for a little bit of time. I don't want to put a number on it because all sites grow at different rates. But you've had a website for a while and you have something called Google Search Console. So if you have a website and you don't have Google Search Console connected to it, Go ahead and do that right now. So look it up. Everybody here is really competent Google searcher. So search, it up, search that thing, sign up for it, connect it to your website, let it run for a few weeks or a month or whatever until you start getting data into this thing called the performance. There's, there's a Google Search Console performance section where what this is going to tell you is every single search that anyone's ever put in to find, not even find your website, just see it in the listings. So they only have had to pass, scroll by it. And whatever they typed in there, they're gonna give you a list of all these. It could be thousands of things, depending on how you know how much traffic comes to your site and all these, you know, how much content you have and all this other stuff. So you look at this Google Search Console, right? So number one, it's telling you what people are looking for, right? The next part is they tell you, number one, how many impressions did you get? So how many people actually scrolled by your listing, right? How many people clicked? obviously what the percentage of that is. And then based on the timeline you put, so you could do one month, a day, three months, a year, it'll tell you your average ranking for that term or page. So a query or even a page as a whole, right? So most pages, if you're doing it right, you rank for hundreds, if not thousands of keywords, because there's so many different little things that can be in there. So what I want you to look at when you're looking at that is the click-through ratio right? So there's one thing you can improve right now that doesn't require you to even rank higher than you are. And this is something I see in almost every client that I deal with is if you look at the average ranking and you're within the top 10 already average, maybe even 20, and you're getting a good amount of impressions. So it could be thousands. It could be hundreds of thousands, uh, depending on your traffic, a good amount is different. So if I only get 200 people to my page in a month from organic, if there's a if there's two thousand people seeing my 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 listing, well that's a pretty good number, right? I'm ranking within a, a a part of a first or second page where I'm being seen, but my click through ratio is low, meaning maybe it's like one percent. So maybe one percent of you know several thousand people are clicking through, right? So all you have to do is you don't even need to change your content. There's something called a meta title and a meta description, which I think some of us are familiar with. If you just change that to be more appealing, still utilizing the keywords that are in there, because obviously you're ranking for a reason, to click through and you just increase that click-through ratio, that's one keystroke, basically. That's one, you know, 10 minutes. In 10 minutes, you can possibly start getting more traffic. And this is a, this is a strategy I use for clients all the time. And within a couple of weeks, they're already seeing double, triple, you know, if a good amount click-through ratio for, for, for a keyword that you're within the first 10 listings is somewhere around 10 to 20%. So if you've got 1%, that means you're underperforming just by basic standards. So if you just do the math and say, well, what's 10% of this other number of this impressions, that's how much traffic you can attract if you get to where you're supposed to be. So it's projected. So I can sit here and tell someone or tell you, That if you go up, for every percent you go up in that CTR, I know a definitive amount of people who will click through based on the impression number. So that's right now, anybody can go look at their Google search console. And if you see any of those gaps where you have low click-through ratios, but a lot of, like I've seen people who have hundreds of thousands of impressions and they're only at like 1% or 2% click-through. And then you get them to 10%, and their traffic just explodes. It's more than they've ever had. They could get more in one month or two months than they had in a whole year. Just off of fixing one page, just the meta title and description, not even doing the content, which we're going to get into now. So that's my little plug for you guys, everybody out there listening and stuff. Take a look at that. See if you have any opportunities. If you do, listen to the rest of this because I'm going to tell you how to how to take advantage of that. Wait, wait.
0: Just, just so you said something about click-through, rate. Right? Mm-hmm. Does that mean like you just like you're scrolling down the page and you just click on a an internal link to another page? Is that... A-
2: no, no. So it's literally the search page. So if I type in how to write a JavaScript function mm-hmm. and I'm looking at all of the results, a click-through is when I click on one and I go to it. Oh, when
0: you're actually clicking through on the first page of, of Google's listing. And- any Any page.
2: Any, any page. page. I'm just clicking through to something I see because I'm like... This looks like it has the information that I need. So if you're being seen by thousands of people for your listing, but no one's clicking, it's obvious that you, you're not telling them anything about what they want to see or else they would have done it.
0: Right. Mm-hmm. Oh, so, so th- these are just URLs in general. So if you're on Reddit and you just dump a link in there, that would have a click through rate as well. It no. That? no,
2: this is only with organic. So Google search console, it's Google. So they can tell you for a fact, better than any other third party software, how many people are looking at it and where you rank on a regular, right? so so when someone searches through Google and say their question is how to write a JavaScript script function and your title, like you know what a, like the listing looks like like it could mm-hmm. it's, it's, there's a title there and there's a description. Well, if it doesn't say the right thing and someone's not convinced that they can go there and find that answer,
0: uh, they're not okay. going to click
2: on it. So, like, when we're looking up how to fix a coding issue, a lot of times I'm looking at the description and the title to see if it's, like, a better match for my question. So, I'm choosing based on that text. I don't care if it's the first listing. Nobody just always clicks on the first list. They, they look and they say, which one close, most closely matches what I'm looking for. It's called search intent. So, That's if you can... Yeah. So if you can master search intent on pages that you already have ranking that just aren't getting clicks, you don't have to do anything else. I mean, it's smart to do more, but you could just do that and you could drive way more traffic to your site. Just that one thing. It's just that one thing.
0: It's funny you say this because I'm actually looking at my Google Analytics dashboard for my Gatsby site, which is running like my personal blog, and I get like maybe like a few thousand hits a month. Nothing really crazy. From but organic. It's, like, Or, yeah, mostly organic. Actually, it's it's like, yeah. But the most popular one is like, read a local text file using their JS. It's like... But that's that's fine.
2: So this is what I would probably say. If you have a few thousand people on your Google Analytics, we're talking about two different platforms here. Google Search Console is different. Google Analytics is what happens once someone gets on your site. Google mm -hmm. Search Console is everything before someone gets to your website, right? Mm -hmm. So if you have a few thousand organic... Visitors, that's pretty good for not doing any, not knowing any SEO. Go to your Google Search Console. If you don't have it set up, you're going to have to set it up, right? Because it, it, it's, it's you have to connect it to your website. But it's real simple to do. I don't even need to tell you how to do it. And let that run so that it can collect data. Because what it's going to tell you is what searches did people use to find your website or what searches are people using but they're scrolling past your website, And if you could fix that, if if you have a couple thousand visitors, I'd probably say there's probably 10, 20, 30, maybe 50,000 people having impressions on your website, meaning Mm -hmm. they're finding you in search, but they're not clicking because why would they click? It's not solving their problem or answering their question. So I can almost guarantee there's probably at least one opportunity for you to right now make a change and like as soon as you re-index it with Google, so you could do that manually too, like immediately,
1: mm-hmm. within
2: a day or two, you could start seeing more traffic. It's it's 100% true. So we'll look at it further in, in, later, but that's exactly the type of stuff. So if everybody's looking at your Google Analytics and they're like, shit, I have all this organic traffic and I didn't do anything, I almost guarantee you, you have a lot of opportunities because you've never even looked at the Google Search Console, which tells you where you're not maximizing your opportunities on search. Right, that makes sense. So that's one thing you do right now and increase your traffic. I don't care what type of website it's, business site, blog site, whatever it is. Right there, you're, you're, you're ready to bring on more traffic, right? So I'm gonna move past that a little bit. So that's something we can, we can talk about in another thing. But essentially, that's one of the ways that you'll do research in order to prioritize what am I gonna write about? What stuff on my site am I gonna fix? Because SEO takes a lot of work in terms of there's a lot of tasks you can do. So you want to prioritize based on the possible impact. If I know I have five pages on my website that have potential to get a thousand more visitors to the site a month, I'm probably going to prioritize those five pages before any other page on my website because it just doesn't make sense to work on the homepage if that's not attracting anyone, or if it's already doing well. If it's already getting 30%, 60% because my brand name, people are just typing in my brand. So a good example is that is I'm a SaaS company and, you know, when I log into some some things, I don't go directly to the site. I just type it in Google and then I click on that and then I'm signing in, right? So that's a whole different type of search. There's a branded search. I'm talking about some other topic that you're showing up for that people aren't clicking for, right? So those are the ones you want to keep a lookout on. So everybody look at those while we're going over the rest, right? That's an easy. That's an easy research search thing that could be. And a lot of times, I'll bring one more thing before I harp on this because I could talk about this one thing forever. When you have an e-commerce website or some way that you're monetizing, you have a conversion rate of mm-hmm. organic traffic that buys. So if you look in Google Analytics, you can see if someone lands on this web page, how many people buy once they land there first. They might go to other pages on the site, but their entry point, how many people buy? 5%, 2%, 7%? Because if you sell stuff, if you just increase the traffic to that one page, the conversion for sales is going to be about the same so you instantly make more money that's a big way that i work with my clients is i try to figure out what are the pages i can just improve the click through rate so that when they get there there's a 7% chance that they're going to buy so if i get you 1000 1000 people to the site you're going to get 7% of those pretty much pretty consistently to buy so every 1000 i get is another is another 7% right so you can easily do the math and figure out what your page is worth right cuz i told you 10 to 20% is like sort of that's pretty much what you're going to get you're never really going to get more than that unless it's branded so if at 10% basically as good as you can do until you're just doing excellent if you brought 10% more people from those impressions into your site and you have a 5% sales rate of those people well you've just increased your sales by a lot with one change one single change. So I know somebody will make money off of that who listens to this because people do all the time and they, they, they tell me about it. So uh, I'll move on from that. But that's, that's a big, see, this is the thing. If you knew that about SEO, you'd be doing it every day, right? Because it's so simple, mm-hmm. right? Yep. So people think it's complicated. It's not. You have to use logic and you have to under, understand what's going on around you and what the business model is, right? right? So that's the research c- component of it. And that's just one piece. I have like ten other ways of doing research that reveals more and more information about this to help you prioritize what you, what new content you're going to create and what old content you're going to fix. Because just because you wrote a tutorial, Vince, like uh, mm-hmm. three months ago, doesn't mean you can't go back and improve it for SEO. Matter of fact, you want to keep updating it anyways because that's a big signal. People want recent information. I don't want I I don't want a solution to a problem that's five years old. I want the newest right. solution using. Maybe the newest syntax and all these other things. So that's important as well as to keep updating old content, right? So the next thing you're gonna want to do once you get all this research, because it, with us it's a little bit different. But some people that write, it's really hard, and maybe this stops a lot of people from writing blogs. Is they sit down and they just expect to write out of nowhere, off the top of their head. <laughs> that's that's and it Yeah, work and out. <laughs> it doesn't work out. It's super difficult. I mean, you like even the best writers can't do it, right? So what I've come up with is is a way to take all of the research that you do and turn it into a literally a bullet point outline, right? Of what stuff do I need to have in this article? First and foremost, based on search volumes and my Google search console and all these other things, what's the information that has to be there for sure, right? Mm-hmm. Then, what other stuff do I want to add to it and just bullet point it? And there's a specific way, there's a specific way in which I do this. I call it the book method. So the book method essentially is this. We all read books, right? So, mm-hmm. and this is where we're going to get into the HTML. This is where was going to get excited. So for a book, we have one cover title, right? There's always one title, right? We can agree right. to that. right? Then we all, then they all have chapters, right? Mm-hmm. And then in between those chapters, there's sometimes subsections. So I would call a subsection like a, a bolded title that is has more text under it. But within a chapter, right? Right. So your first outline is the book method. And the syntax or the you know the semantics that that the book method uses, it's h tags. Mm-hmm. Right? So your 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 title of your book is always your H1, which mm-hmm. we all know is like a blog title, right? Mm-hmm. The H2s would be the chapters. So if I took your piece of content and I wanted to break it up into a book, what would those chapters be? Well, those would be your H2 tags. Mm-hmm. Then inside, uh, nested inside those H2s would be your H3s. So that would be a subsection of a, of, a, of a chapter. You can even go H4, subsection of a subsection. So they always are nested in between each other because they give each other context, right? So when the Google bot is sc- scraping your page, first and foremost, they look at the H1. That has the most weight on where you rank. So it's always good to have your keyword in the H1, right? Then they're looking at the H2s to try to get an idea of what is this even about? So what I say is, if you look through the chapters of a book on the table of contents, Mm -hmm. you can pretty much get an idea of what's being talked about in the book, right? Right. Right. So So someone should be able to, read just your h1 and h through usually about h4 usually don't go into the other ones that's other parts of the site but usually about to about h3 i should be able to look at just those tags alone and it should tell me everything i need to know if i should never have to read a piece of text mm-hmm. right so if you're looking at that if you look at it in its raw form and just pull out all your h tags and you see like just weird things like social media because maybe you have an h tag being used in your footer or whatever that's what the Google bot is associating it with. So if your if your H tags aren't going to be disc- aren't going to tell the story, well, that's why you're not ranking for your topic because you're you maybe you don't have any H twos. Maybe you just made them bold and they're still paragraph text, but you're not using the 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 the, the H tag, right? Or your H threes are like, you know, some other stuff on the page that could be subscribe or it could be you know all types of little widgets and stuff, titles of widgets, right? So you wanna avoid that and make sure at least your H1s through your H3s can tell a story. It should tell you everything about what that article is about. So how do you get those H tags? Via your research because that research is gonna tell you what are the most important things that people are looking for, and then you put those in your H tags, right? Once you get past that part, now you're just bullet pointing in between those H tags. Well, what's the information I'm gonna put in there? That's much simpler. So if I can work out my H tags first, it's much easier to fill in the blanks in between. Then you revert back to your research and use keyword variations of of the keywords and all these different questions and stuff like that. And you put that in there and you say, all right, in this this section, I'm gonna cover this. In this section, I'm gonna cover that. And that's the book method. So that's how I teach people to write more easily because that doesn't take much time because you already did the research. So if you do the content improvement checklist, all the data you get from that, you plug into your book method now you're ready to draft your article. Okay. Does that make sense? That makes sense. Yeah.
0: Also, a question related to well, you're talking more about like the skeleton structure, how you're using mm-hmm. like a book outline for kind of detailing when you're writing like a blog post, like, hey, make sure your H1 is here, your H2 for your, your, your subtitles, and then H3 for your sub, those subtitles of those subtitles. I have a question related to like when you're blogging in general, since this is like kind of tailored toward like technical writers that want to kind of improve their ranking for their content and i'm kind of in the same boat as well like how important is like the frequency of like posting content since like I- i'm looking at like some of my stats on some of my page and it's like it just peaked up really high in december because i was posting a lot because that's when i was like sort of in limbo between like a new job and then all of a sudden it just like dropped down because i haven't posted anything in three months you know work life life gotten in the way yeah um, so
2: so Make sure, first and foremost, you're looking at your organic traffic and not just your overall traffic. Because oh, that will happen if you're not posting because no one's coming to your site. Right. Organic traffic will last a very long time. So for me, it's about quality over quantity. If you can write one really good piece of content every two weeks or once a month, that's better than five a week. Unless you're like following all of what I'm saying, but it's hard because you got to do research, you got to do the outline. It's It's a little bit It's a little bit time-consuming, plus you're just writing the article itself. So it's not about the volume. It's about the way that you're putting it together so that it has long-term effect on the search engines. Yes, your direct traffic might be affected or your referral traffic, which is a whole different thing that I don't get into, but for search engines, I've had articles I haven't touched in years that still get thousands and thousands of visitors. I mean, I have a website right now. I haven't written a new article on it for over a year. It still gets 10,000 people a month, every month, like clockwork, right? Because the articles are done now. I need to update them eventually because stuff does change. But probably like every six months or, 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 or 12 months, you should be reviewing your Google Search Console data, your Google Analytics data, and trying to figure out, is there gains to be made by making updates to content that I've created in the past? That's actually the best way to do SEO. If you already have a bunch of blogs and you're getting, you know, you know not as much from it as you'd hope, I'd be rushing to look at Google Search Console to see if there's maybe 3 or 4 that right now I can get thousands of new visitors to the site with because that's simpler to do than creating a new piece of content. The the, the amount of research you have to do is much much less. If you're starting from scratch, that's kind of the two paths. You can start from old content, which I love doing. I love when I get someone that has old content because it's much easier to fix it. Or you could start from brand new content, which you can't really project as well what the traffic's going to be because we don't know. Like We don't even know where we're going to rank. So so if you're already ranking, like, and it's not even the first page. I know people that get thousands of visitors and they're on the second page. I've seen pages that get tens of thousands of impressions and they're on the third page. So the reality of it is is that there's people looking at all the pages. Yes, the first page is the best, but it's not, it's not the end all be all. And ranking number one isn't the end all be all. It's literally just... Are you, it's almost like ad copy, right? You see that Google ads, it's like, you got to convince someone to click, right? That's the most important part. Then with your content, if you want to rank higher and rank for more keywords, you got to do the book method based on the research that you did, right? So two mm-hmm. separate two separate things. You don't need the book method for click-through rate. Click-through rate is strictly meta title and description. Two things, should take you 20 minutes or less, if you're really good, five minutes to fix that. Now, you may want to do some research to figure out what would sound the best. But essentially, I mean, if you look at the page you're on, all the listings, someone's getting the clicks. So maybe change yours to be modified to be very close to some of the other titles and descriptions, but use you know synonyms and different ways of saying what they're saying. right? So that's something that's immediate. Writing new content, you got to do a lot of research. You got to put it out there and then you got to wait a little bit to see the search engine pick up your article to start to see what words and and phrases and questions am I ranking for that I'm just not getting clicks for, right? So that's the process there, right? So when you get into the, now I'm going to get into, does that answer your question, Vince?
0: Yeah, that answers my question.
2: Cool. So when we get into drafting your content, so we're going from the book method and bullet points to Like now we're writing, there's a few things that that you need to worry about. The first and foremost is sentence structure. So the way that you're supposed to write for the web is way different than how you write for a book or some of these things. Mm -hmm. You should have very short paragraphs that are one, two sentences long at most. I would say three in some cases, but I wouldn't do it because… This is more of a on-page thing where one of the search, you know, one of the things for the search algorithm is how long someone stays on the page, right? Mm-hmm. How, how, how valuable is this information? So one thing I'll tell you, and it's proven, is that when you break up your content into shorter sentences, people read it and understand it much better, and they're more likely to keep reading and reading, and one sentence should lead to the next, and there should be ample space in between it, because guess what happens? On desktop, it looks weird because you're like, okay, those don't look like typical paragraphs. But when you get on mobile, one sentence can take up three, four lines. Mm, yeah. So on mobile, someone is looking at it and they see what I call a wall of text. So that's just like you wrote the craziest, longest paragraph known to man. <laughs> and you've seen those out there. Uh, it's like a run-on email. like You don't read it because it's too much effort to like try to focus on like everything because it's a block of text. There's And that's why you have the titles because you can separate between these little paragraphs. They're paragraphs, but they're one or two sentences, three sentences. I don't care if it's one sentence all the way down the damn page. It's better than having five sentences. Right? But now someone can skim very easily and find exactly what they're looking for. Mm -hmm. Right? If I have all the titles and I have everything sort of in a bullet point format, people can more easily skim and get to where they want. Right. And, and get to the information, because sometimes the info they look for is not right at the beginning of an article. It's somewhere else. And if you can't find it off first glance, you might just click back and like and you just go somewhere else where it's easier to find it. So sentence structure is key using multimedia. So for, you know, having videos and images, podcasts, uh, uh, audio embeds, things that keep people on the page much longer. And there's another reason to have those things. But one of the main keys is to have them on the page much, much longer. The next thing is page schema, so structured data. Now we're really getting into more development talk. So structured data is code you use in order to get what's called rich snippets. So if you've ever done a search online, maybe a recipe, and the recipe is actually there in the search, you don't have to like dig in, that's a rich snippet. So you get that with schema. It's called structured data. What that allows you to do now is rank for more than just your page because your video, your audio, all those things could get ranked on the search engine. And all those out there listening, you can go to uh, just look up Google structured data and there's a lot of documentation on it. It's basically a JSON object that has all the information about. So if you have a product page, it would have the product name, it would have the rating, it would have the price, it would have all types of information that could show up in the search result and be displayed, right? But on top of it, when you have videos, images, audio embeds, you can use leverage schema to use keywords. So the bot is scanning all, these, all this code. So anytime you can use keywords, which are non-visible to the user, there's just, you can like stuff keywords in these schemas and stuff. It's beneficial to you because now, you know, Google is going to say it's really about this topic, right? Then on top of it with uh, the multimedia is, You've heard of alt tags, right? For images, I'm sure they've had you Mm -hmm. fix those before. So alt tags are a great way to add keywords, right? But then file names. So they read file names because it's on the page, right? Mm -hmm. So if you put your keywords in the file name of an image with words separated by dashes, so they know it's a separate word, you can also keyword stuff in there. Hmm. Right? Does it matter if it's underscores or dashes? I don't think it matters. I just use dashes. It could be underscores. But you want to like, say I have, so example, the example I said before, I'm searching for how to write a JavaScript function. Maybe I have a screenshot of like my, you know, those little like coding interface screenshots that everybody posts on Twitter and stuff. Oh, yeah, yeah. You I'm can started. put that on your page and then name that file how to write a javascript function dot png right so that's a trick because because think about it i bet any website people are looking at their sites and their image file names are like one two three q5 (laughs) mc underscore like so you're losing you're missing (laughs) opportunities You're, you're 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 missing opportunities so i always rename my files right and then internal and external linking is 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 another thing so You want to paint a picture so especially with sites like what you're talking about where you're you're giving a lot of tutorials you're giving a lot of information you want google to be able to piece together how all this fits together right like how how does this relate to the rest of the content so they do this with internal linking i would argue with anybody that internal linking is more important than external linking or backlink so backlinking is like if you try to learn anything seo one of the first things you'll see is how to do backlinks. I've never done backlinks in my entire life. I've never asked for a backlink in my entire life. You get them because you provide such great content. People just link to it anyways, right? Like I'm at, like someone, you write a really good article about how to write this function. Well, mm-hmm. people are going to find it and link to it and be like, hey, I learned this from here. And now they're writing their own article and they link to you. That's the best way to get a backlink. But an internal link is going to allow you to not only have the crawler jump from page to page throughout your site, but it's going to start to associate certain pages with each other So subtopics of each other, Hmm. right? So that's a, you should be internal linking as much as you can to try to build those internal links so that people will not only click through, but the Google bots will understand how does this piece of content fit fit in in the larger scheme of your website, right? Because you have a web page, it's trying to figure out, but ultimately it's trying to figure out, well, what is this entire website about, right? So that's how it can figure that out. So that's all of like how you want to write your content. That's all about writing. So we did research, we did the outline, and we did the draft, right? We included the multimedia, we did the interlinking, page schema, that's what you need in there, right? Based on your research. Then now we're talking about the publishing, right? So speed is probably the number 1 thing. And now with Core Web Vitals, which is a score that Google gives websites They said in May of 2021, rankings are going to be more based on that metric than ever before. So you have to have a good Core Web Vitals score, a a green score. It's it's good. It's not perfect, but it's like 90 to 100 or whatever score. In order to take advantage of ranking higher and supposedly, this is just a rumor, they're going to put like a little badge next to listings that are user-friendly, which speed is a big indicator of user-friendliness. So that's big, which is a developer's job. So that's all the devs out there. Those are things that you can control much easier than some of these other things. Then you have leveraging the Google Search Console I talked about before. You can actually index your page instantly via that tool. So there's a way to go in Google Search Console, copy and paste in your URL for that page, and then click index. And instantly, not instantly, but it will deploy a web crawler to go crawl your site in a short amount of time. So that maybe within the next, I've had situations where I submitted an article via Google Search Console, and in like an hour, it was ranking on the first or second page. It was a brand new article. Or I took an article that wasn't ranking, or it was on the fifth page, and I got it up to the third page, and I was able to see that result almost instantly within the same few hours. Sometimes it t- could take a little bit longer, but I've seen results happen like that very, very quickly. So right?
0: it's just basically telling Google to crawl your site right away? Yep. And index it. Interesting. Yep.
2: And now if you're really good, and this is for all the, the, the see, I don't get to do this with, with the people who just do regular SEO, but you can tap into the Google API to send that information via API instantly when you post post. right? So there's an API that you can use that's supposed to be for Google News. So the way they get breaking news to rank really quickly is they send it to the Google News API. So if you if you utilize that API and and every time you publish a a page, it automatically does it. You don't even have to think about it. And I heard it's more reliable. It actually works even quicker. So that's something that you can look into as well with trying to get your page indexed more quickly. Because if you don't do that, you're just waiting on Google to come whenever they have time. Right. And depending on how many pages you have on your website they may not even get to that page in that initial crawl. So if you have thousands of pages, there's a thing called the crawl budget. And the web crawler only has so much budget in one session to get through your site. So that's why you use things like sitemaps, so you can make sure that they're only using the sitemap and going to those pages. But essentially, what happens is if your page takes a long time to load, you could actually get less pages indexed because it takes the crawler a longer time to get through your content. Right. So that's where that all ties in. And then the last thing is the meta titles and descriptions, which we talked about with the click through rate. So making sure your meta titles and descriptions are ready for success, meaning they have the keywords in them and people are highly likely to click them because it answers their search intent and answers their question or whatever it may be. Right. They can identify just by looking at a few lines of text that this is for me. So it's like when we're looking at Stack Overflow, well, we don't look at Stack Overflow. What we do is we look at Google with all the Stack Overflow responses and questions and we try to figure out which one is most related because it might be a different version of whatever whatever you're working with so you want to you're trying to identify which one is for me that's exactly what people are doing when they're searching for everyday things same stuff so the only way to get them to click is to be what it has to meet their intent
0: right does web accessibility matter a lot in terms of like ranking like making it so someone who's visually impaired can read
2: via a screen reader? Does that have implications or is it very minimal? So not directly. So they're not directly looking at accessibility, but think about what accessibility is. It's describing what's on the page for someone who can't see or whatever other disability. So it's actually more benefit. If you just follow those standards, you have opportunities for helping a web crawler, which has no eyes, understand Mm -hmm. what is this about? That's all you're trying to do. Mm -hmm. You need to make sure that the Google bot knows what your page is about to a T using code, using vocabulary, using all these different tools that you can use, keywords, whatever, however you want to call it. All those different things combined are trying to make it, you're trying to have the Google bot have an aha moment. Ah, I know exactly what this is about. And you know what? It's a really good piece of content based on what I read because it has all the answers through the, for this topic and all the different things, I'm going to place it first because I don't care what your domain authority and page rank, all these, all these metrics, vanity metrics that are made up by SaaS companies that was never confirmed that they have something like that. And in the past, there used to be stuff like the age of your domain and all this other stuff. That doesn't matter anymore. It's truly about the quality of your content. And the only way that someone can understand, uh, the Google bot, understand the quality is via your tagging. And your, your, your keywords and all these, you know, multimedia, your accessibility tags, all these different things paint a picture. Schemas, they all paint a picture so that they can bet the more they understand, the more likely you are to be put in front of someone who needs it. So if you care about helping people and you want people to find answers, you should care about writing for SEO. You should be relooking at all your stuff and, and it's, it should be important to you. It's not just for co- the content writer at the company you work for, the copywriter. Right? It's not just for them. If anybody who's writing online on a website, they should be following this if they care about people seeing it. If you don't care about people seeing it, then I don't even know why you're doing it. Maybe just for yourself, and that's true too. I've heard people give that excuse, but I think it's more so they're just sad because no one's no one's looking at it. That's a whole other story. But uh, <laughs> but at the end of the day, that's that's SEO for writing for SEO in a nutshell. So that's that's literally it. I mean, you know, obviously it'd be nice to see examples and stuff, but what I just told you is 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 the formula for success online no matter who you are what level you're at whether you're branded or not branded it doesn't matter you could be anyone and follow these 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 guidelines and rank and start getting traffic and whatever that means to you it means you could be monetized maybe it's not You get awesome. a job right like you could get a job because of it so
0: right having having good content definitely has like implications like different opportunities out later on you're saying something about like if you add audio or video to your site, you can add like a like a JSON structure with Google to like say, hey, this is audio content is related to these keywords, right?
2: Because it asks you what the title of the content is and all these other, other things. So hopefully your keywords are in there, right? Because if it's related to what you're writing about, it would probably have the keywords. So what it's about- called structured data it's called schema
0: I know for videos like videos when you're doing like multi-language translations so I worked on projects that had a debt previously you could Mm -hmm. add in what's called a video transcript file where like you put subtitles for the video does that actually Mm -hmm. get indexed as well or is that just completely ignored
2: so that gets indexed via YouTube which obviously is owned by Google so that is a way in which they rank videos on YouTube in the search engine. I'd never really heard, like, this is a thing. Obviously, you might have a YouTube embed already, right? So it's already there. But if you don't have a YouTube embed, maybe it's Wistia or it's, you know, your own solution. You've, you've coded up your own video player. It probably won't. I've never heard of that actually happening, but it, it does happen via YouTube. So on YouTube, it's always important to put that transcript file in there because they do scrape that. Hmm. Interesting. And there's SEO for YouTube too. It's very similar in it doesn't require the book method, but there's some other strategies that are similar to on page. So yeah, that's it. That's that that that's what everybody needs to know. So is there any other questions? So probably gonna close it out. I think well, this is the that least was I've was ever a lot
1: in. of information. Yeah,
0: that was a lot of
2: information. <laughs> <laughs>
0: but the way I didn't Vincent, know about all
1: this stuff. <laughs> yeah. No, Vincent, we're officially using answer the people to uh, pick out blog uh, to pick out podcast uh, Episode.
2: Answer, answer the, answer the public. Oh,
1: answer the public. <laughs> 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 well, I was looking at it a second ago.
2: Yeah. So it was a lot of information and I'm sure some people will replay this over and over in the past when I've done podcasts, like people really love, cause it's, it's easy for me to give out a lot of really good information because I'm not showing you. So it still takes a little bit of, you know, so I can give out a lot of these freebie tips and stuff that I do. So what it comes down to is one thing that I've worked on that I've been working on I just launched is my course. So I have a course specifically to this specific strategy. It's all about just writing for SEO. Every piece of what we just talked about and more is outlined through this. So if you're interested in ranking your articles, whether it's for your SaaS company, it's just for you or you wanna do tutorials, whatever your reasoning is, there's, there could be a million reasons. But essentially, that's what I kind of want to present to everybody today. That's the opportunity here beyond just listening to me talk on this podcast. So the name of the website is called writing to rank. It's literally writing to rank OK, so you can go to this site and it's step by step how to training on how to do every aspect of what we talked about. And even in more detail, I show examples and I give you tips and all types of stuff. If you thought the Google search console tip was awesome, there's several others that are just as awesome uh, that people like. And for the audience out there, for, for the Code Chef's audience, because you know the Code Chef guys, those, those are my guys and I love you guys. I'm going to give you guys a special discount. So this course is for lifetime access, lifetime access to the course. So any algorithm changes, any updates to how I strategize my stuff, you'll have it forever. Um, and so you're not doing this anymore. There's a private Facebook group where you can get involved with other students and, and with me and, and I put videos in there. And sometimes I do over the shoulder stuff when I'm doing client work. So you can get an idea of how I'm putting these strategies towards different types of scenarios. So you get all that stuff. And on top of that, what I'll do is I'll even uh, for, for, for the people that are going to join via Code Chefs, I usually don't offer this, but some I have group sessions where we'll literally do like a zoom of a limited amount of people. So if you signed up through, so I'll involve you in all that stuff. If you sign up through Code Chefs, you're also going to get 25% off, right? Of the price. So, so the, so the full price is $9.97, one-time fee for lifetime access. It's about 35 videos and it's only about two hours long. So you can actually consume all this information in a very short amount of time and start implementing it almost right away. So the final cost with 25% off would be a, would be about 747.75. So I'm going to provide the code chefs with an affiliate link that you guys can click through to um that's going to give you the discount. If you just go straight to the web page the discount's not going to be there so you definitely want to go through to my guys, the Code Chefs, um, the website, and just all these other things to use their code. Maybe they'll start announcing it on the podcast and stuff, and you'll get your 25% off. You'll be in the program. You'll have a little bit of access to me, so you can ask those questions that you probably have now from listening to what I'm saying. And that's pretty much it. That's that's my offer to everybody, and and I, I look forward to seeing more people do it. So the course is actually in beta right now as we're talking, but it will be fully launched by the time this is live. We already have 15 students who signed up and took a chance on the beta. They paid, so they paid to come into the beta program and we're already starting to see results. We're already starting to see people who never they who never knew anything about SEO, take their e-com websites, their their content websites and starting to produce content that is high quality, but also they really really now understand they understand the methodology. They they understand how, how to research. They understand how to analyze what should I even be creating, which is even more valuable in some cases than the end result. Because it's going to take you several tries with articles to get something to, to, to blow up. But understanding what you're aiming for kind of gives you a light at the end of the tunnel. And that's what you get with the course. It's totally handheld the entire way. Yeah, so that's awesome, man. That's all I got. We'll so, definitely
0: put a a, a link to the show notes for the writingtorerank. dot com uh, sign up link, so yep. anyone interested can definitely check it out. Yeah, this was a lot of like a lot of information I never knew before. I mean, I knew a little bit about SEO. Really, it's like mm-hmm. like like the structure of how you have to build out your content on the page, but I didn't know about like Google Search Console and all the things related to metadata with audio content or like video content and. I didn't even know about the thing called the book method. I thought it was just like, hey, just throw some H two H threes on the page and whatever makes sense from from whatever you're writing, just throw that on the page and just call it a day. But it, it's 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 a lot of information that I didn't know about. So this has been really helpful for me.
2: Yeah, and the last time I did a podcast about this, that person was not. Their podcasts weren't on Google. They weren't like showing up in the SERP, and then they did the schema technique, and now it's it's there. So this is stuff that like I've been doing for like a decade. You know what I mean? Like I know this stuff in and out. So this stuff will work for people, even if they just listen and they're like, and they just apply it on a it's, low lowest level.
0: It's funny you say this because like because I because when we wrote the podcast site, it, we didn't have any the h we didn't have an H1 tag set on anything, and yeah. I had said it about a few weeks back. Mm-hmm. And I'm actually just seeing like an increase in the spike in traffic just because the H1 was set, even though yep. nothing
2: else was really added. I'm telling you, if you follow each piece and you have every single piece, it's, I'm not gonna say it's guaranteed to get results, but you're gonna do very well because Google doesn't create standards so that you could do whatever you want. When they see pages that do, that follow the standard, they're more likely to rank it. And you'll be surprised when I do competitive research. Obviously, if I look at a page and they don't have all these components that we're talking about, I, I'm like excited because I'm like, you know what? These guys aren't finding following any standard. They basically threw a dart with their eyes closed. They got lucky. And Google's just waiting on someone to come in with all of the right stuff so that they can display that instead of this one.
1: Mm-hmm. So
2: when I do my research and I look at the pages that are ranking for the keywords I want to rank for, I'm trying to identify how many of them from what I can see are doing SEO. If none of them or very few of them, I know I have a huge chance if I just follow everything that I went over in this talk. Like it always works, you know? Mm-hmm. Oh, uh, German, do you think it's time for dessert?
1: Uh, yeah. So the start section. So Roy, you'll be included in this one. So it's like a little section we get to blog on about what we have going on in our lives. So it's just like a quick little blurb of like what's sweet or what's sour in your life, I guess. Voice and I guess you can go first.
2: You can talk about whatever Star. you want
1: so what's
2: going on in my life or what's sweet and what's sour that but, but don't, don't talk about
0: don't talk about the stuff we just talked about though we just talked about that
1: <laughs> yeah.
0: Any, yeah anything anything fun in your life anything interesting anything like oh man i really wanted to talk about this thing but i had nowhere
2: to talk about it <laughs> yeah, of course there's there's, there's nothing but <laughs> fun stuff going on for me i mean really at this point I've been working out a lot, I've been going a lot to the gym. That's that's a positive. I've started to do some oh, traveling. You, you, started, you with, still
0: go to that that one place, the oh, that place we used to go to all the time. The university or, club?
2: Yes, that place is awesome. So yeah, I've been I've been working out a lot. I've actually joined a pool league. So I'm literally playing pool tonight. I have a match tonight, so I joined the pool league. I'm not any good, so it's been a little disappointing, but that's probably the only sour part about it. Is like I've literally only won one match out of like seven. And uh, and it's not really like just one match. They do like a handicap system. So like someone might have to beat you four times and you only have to beat them twice. So mm-hmm. it's like to make sure it's more even than within the actual league. So I've done I've, I'm doing that. I'm doing the pool thing. I'm doing the working out thing, I'm trying to get back to doing more traveling. I just went to Puerto Rico recently. So now with the COVID stuff, hopefully, you know, getting tamed a little bit with the vaccines and all this other stuff going on. Just trying to get back into that and just, yeah, fo- focus focus on on being happy and just having fun, hanging awesome, out. Awesome, man. How about you, Jeremy? Yeah.
1: Well, so for me, I just kind of finished my first like month and a half at the new job. I started uh, a few weeks ago. It's been crazy, a different experience. So not used to being this busy, but it's been fun. And that's what I have going on. Oh, and my son finally took his first steps. So... Oh, uh, there he is! I gotta make All sure he right. prove the house before he uh he smacks it. <laughs> <laughs>
2: oh yeah, now he's gonna get into everything. He made sure to record yeah. it, right? <laughs>
1: uh, actually, yes, we actually have a video of it. So
0: okay, he'll appreciate it when he when he gets older. <laughs> That's well, so yeah, there's funny. There's
1: a lot of video and photos of him.
0: I'm sure. All right, Vince. I've been going dancing a lot, and I actually went to a dance festival in Orlando mm-hmm. this past weekend. It was a lot of fun. Mm-hmm. And one thing that I've actually noticed, at least, like, from just working a desk job and, like, like dancing and, and, and whatnot, is I have really poor posture. And I've had poor posture, like, my entire <laughs> life. And I had a couple of different friends, like, different friends, tell me I should go see a chiropractor. It's like, for the reason, I don't have Definitely. very... I don't really have really good neck range of motion. And I actually went to a chiropractor for the first time yesterday. Well, actually... A week before, but then they had to get x rays done and whatever before they did any of those, uh any of the cracking. And so I had like my neck readjusted and like my back readjusted. And it's like the weirdest feeling ever when you come out of it. I don't know if you've ever experienced like going to a chiropractor and like actually having someone break your bones and like readjusting and moving into place. But
2: I, I actually was. go regularly. You so do? <laughs> same with you, like from sitting. I go right, re- like at one point I was going like once a week just because it was like, kind of like just getting me more loose. But there's two things you can do is chiropractor is one good thing, but stretching. I'm actually, I'm considering, I keep getting these freaking ads online Mm -hmm. about this guy who has like a stretching course online. It's like 50 bucks or something. And I'm so tempted because it's like, anytime I'm like stretching a lot, like for like uh, like consistent days and like for like a month and I'm going to the chiropractor, Mm -hmm. I feel a hundred times better. And then whenever I stop doing that, then like it just slowly goes back to what it used to be. So I think stretching and chiropractic is great for uh, devs that sit in chairs all day long, for sure. Yeah. I was actually thinking about doing
0: physical therapy as well since someone recommended me that where it's like they kind of massage your muscles and like kind of stretch it out. And and also like stretching itself helps out, but like there are mm-hmm. some muscles that, that are really hard to stretch out. I guess you could say. And it's just nice if someone just like if you're sitting like prone and someone just like pulls your neck muscles a little bit to kind of like yeah give you a larger range of motion, it feels really nice. And I've been meaning to, to actually do like yoga and stretch on a routine basis because I eventually want to get into into b-boying, break dancing. But it's a long way, long shot from here. It's a long shot from here. That's like the. Ultimate I, I, don't, goal. I
2: don't. I don't think it's a long shot because I've. Seen- I've seen you st- when you started dancing because I saw online, obviously. Oh yeah, yeah. And to Plus now, dude, you look smooth. Bro. Like you're like, oh thanks, you're man. You're Twinkle Toes, man. Like I, swear wow, dude, Like <laughs> I'm so impressed. I'm like, oh my god, that was over six months. I man. swear. Like I remember when you first started, you were like a little bit more stiff, right? Like like the hips weren't really like going yeah, yeah, that you, well. But you now, get, you, got, you, got to, you dude, gotta lean your butt you out,
0: man. Oh, thanks, dude. Dude, I appreciate it, dude. <laughs> I did it like. All, man. I spent like six months honing it every day. And I went to like, this is my second dance congress, like dance festival. And like, literally we'll just like go dancing for like, I don't know, 15 hours straight (laughs) for three days. (laughs) And like, we have to actually, it's it's almost like a hackathon. It's like, literally you have to plan out your sleep schedule because you're going to sleep at like 8 o'clock, 8 p.m. And then go up to like 6 a.m. Then sleep from 6 to 8 and then you wake up again and then you just do it all over again. (laughs) But it's a lot of fun. It's a weird time right now because of COVID. And actually I had to get blood tested every day yeah. while there. Like I had to get COVID tested every day. Like they actually like what? took a blood sample. COVID? They took a blood sample every day. And like Oh really? Yeah. And then and then they gave me a tag to indicate that you're COVID-free. Every day. <laughs> so I got three pin prickles on my finger. So fun times.
2: Yeah, that's that's everything on my end. Well, I appreciate you guys having me
0: on. I appreciate you being on the show, man and we'll see you guys in the next one. All right. Peace out, guys. See you around.
1: Thanks for dining
0: with us on Code Chefs. We hope we satisfied your hunger. For show notes and more insider info on today's topic, visit our website at www.codechefs.dev. Plus, follow us on Twitter at Code ChefsDev. Don't forget to subscribe on your favorite podcast platform and join us back here for the next one
1: check please please